This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. And welcome back to Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sherita Brent, joined in studio by Mary Margaret Miller of Visit Mississippi. And today we are going to feature some historical places and current events in our state. MPB recently featured the state capitol in its bicentennial documentary series, A Threat Through Time. And Mary Margaret has been so great. I've been getting calls, people saying they, they're seeing me on TV. Uh, you know, I'm on this the special on the MPB TV. So it's so interesting because I, I don't watch TV, so I still haven't seen it. Well, you know, Sherita, <laughs> I think everybody's so excited to see the face behind the voice. Uh, everyone so. statewide knows the voice of Sharita Brent. So to see you, I think it's really exciting for a lot of our listeners. Yeah, it's fun. A lot of attention that I don't necessarily like because I'm, I'm very shy. But uh, this has been a, a great project and we are joined today by Kathy Broom and Brenda Davis and they're going to tell us a little bit more about the Mississippi State Capitol and its history and uh, still a lot to do this hour. We have a lot of great things to get to. Terrence Wells is going to tell us about his art show, The Thing I've been hiding. A Raisin in the Sun is showing at the Biloxi Little Theater. We'll find out about that. Uh, there's also a traveling exhibit that's coming up at the Mississippi Museum of the Delta, and it's related to the Bicentennial as well. And there's a really cool Freedom Summer exhibit at the Orendon City Museum in Tupelo. So we have a lot to get to this hour. Lots of miles and lots of ground to cover. Yes. Now, have you been doing some traveling around Mississippi this week? I have. I have. I, I went down to the beautiful Mississippi Gulf Coast on Wednesday. I chose the greatest day of the week to travel because oh. I was surrounded by blue skies and beautiful white clouds and had a really productive day planning our Mississippi Bicentennial celebration for the South. Got to go out on a great site visit at Centennial Plaza where the two-day event will take place over March 31st and April 1st. Nice. Y'all, I am fired up. There's a <laughs> lot of big announcements to come, um, but on my way back, I got to stop at one of my favorite places on the Gulf Coast in Gulfport. There's a great coffee shop called Coast Roast. Oh. They had the windows open, the doors open. They've got this great style. You kind of feel like you're in Santa Monica, maybe mm-hmm. like some California bistro. I nice. uh, spent some time there with the the really nice staff and brought back a king cake. Oh, wow. Quality bakery in Gulfport. They've been Where there. Where is it? Because you don't have it with you. <laughs> <laughs> have you already eaten it? No, I'm saving it for tonight. My friend's okay. having me over. We're going to have crawfish pie for dinner and king cake for dessert. Okay. It's pretty what, good combo. What time is dinner? Let me clear my schedule. Ew, you're invited. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, we're going to go ahead and, and get to it. Each week this year, we'll, we'll look at MPB series, A Thread Through Time. It's produced by MPB, and it speaks about the topics uh, covered in this this week's one-minute documentary as we celebrate the Bicentennial. So let's take a listen at this week's installment. In 1900, Governor Andrew Longino convinced the legislature that Mississippi needed a new Capitol building. Financed with $1 million of back taxes owed by the railroads and built on the site of the old state penitentiary, the project began. St. Louis architect Theodore Link borrowed from different classical traditions in his lavish Beaux-Arts design. For the rotunda, he combined black marble from upstate New York with beautiful white marble from Italy. The Senate and House chambers featured domes of bohemian stained glass. Link also used what was then a very modern element, hundreds of exposed electric light bulbs. The new Capitol opened on June 3, 1903. Today, it attracts visitors from all over, some to enjoy its architecture and some to get a sense of our state's history. If you haven't visited the state capitol recently, do yourself a favor. Come see where history is made. This has been Mississippi, a thread through time. Ooh, all right, that you music was great. a lot of ground. I know, that's very I know. emotional. That's so uh, so much to, to get through in a minute. I mean, but uh, we're going to learn a little bit more. As I mentioned, Kathy Broom and Brenda Davis are here. Good morning to you, ladies, and thank you both for being in. Good morning. Thank you. All right. So tell us uh, what about the Mississippi State Capitol's history is, is most in, intriguing to you? Oh, my. How many minutes do we have? <laughs> uh, you all, we, um, since you did the research and, and taped your wonderful 55 seconds, I can't imagine 55 seconds. I thought, how on earth are they going to make that? Right. right. You know, cover it. But you did. And you did a great job. Kudos to your production team on that. Um, the uh, we have just been named in November 
after a four-year process, a national historic landmark Mm. by the Department of Interior. We have revisited so much of the history that we already sort of knew. And the more we have looked into this and uh, this team that worked on this, um, who, if I can mention their names, Jennifer Vaughn, who is the chief architectural historian for Archives and History, Lawson Newman with WFT Architects, our Capital Architects, and Richard Cawthon, who wrote our 58-page nomination mm-hmm. and did research for two years to get that nomination done. We discovered so many things about the building of the Capitol that we, as I said, kind of already knew, but we revisited it. And mostly what is so intriguing is how this team of people worked together over a three-year period to produce that magnificent building. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you all as much as I can about it in the time we have. Yeah, if, go ahead. Um, the, the history behind the Capitol being where it is, as you said in your piece on the site of the old penitentiary, the old Capitol was built... Um, in 1839, it was built unbeknownst to the architect who had inherited a, a foundation that was already laid. Um, Mr. Nichols built that building, his Greek revival masterpiece, on a kind of an insufficient foundation. So by the 1890s, the building, the old capital, was already showing signs of distress and disrepair. And over a period of two administrations in the 1890s, Two different administrations talked about and tried to get a new capital built. It just was not to be until Governor Longchenot stood before the legislature, as you said, and convinced them that that was what needed to happen. And in February of 1900, they authorized him to form what was called the State House Commission. The State House Commission placed ads in five newspapers around the state asking for people to submit their ideas for design. Fourteen people responded. 14 architects with a basic preliminary design. Now, I wasn't in the room. Kathy wasn't in the room. But <laughs> we, we envisioned the governor, who was the head of the State House Commission, and the other men who sat on that panel looking at these plans, and somebody must have said, does anybody know how to read these? Mm. Because, I mean, they knew they had a million dollars to work with, and yet they, and they didn't want to have a building with, with problems as mm-hmm. they were moving out of. So the idea came about to hire Mr. Bernard Green. Mr. Green was a Washington, D.C. Um, person who had um, uh, worked on the Library of Congress. He was an engineer and a contractor. And uh, I, uh, Kathy's heard me say this so many times, the best $500 the state of Mississippi ever spent. On was, Mr. Green. Was Mr. Green. Because he looked at that set of 14 plans, and they were numbered. They had, the State House Commission had removed the names to keep him from having any pre, uh, in, any kind of any kind of uh, bias. bias. Thank mm-hmm. you, <laughs> Sharita. Thank you for that word. Um, good or bad, you know. I know this guy. Oh yeah, I know this guy. Um, and so he he went through the 14 plans, and he picked plan number five as the one that he liked the best, and that was Mr. Theodore Link from. St. Louis, Missouri. Wow. And from there, it went into bid process. It was a complicated process. Mr. Link had to revise his plans more than one time to get it down to that million-dollar mark that they were still trying to stay within. And the Wells brothers from Chicago were the winning bidders. So my friend Jennifer Bond from Archives and History says we have a Midwestern capital built in Mississippi. She's not talking about the glorious architectural style. She's talking about the folks that built it. They were mm. from the Chicago in the St. Louis area. The the stained glass partisan was Mr. Louis Millay, who was one of the founders of the Art Institute in Chicago. So we had all these people come in from that area to, to work on the Capitol. Wow. And over a 28-month period. 28 months. <laughs> Anyone who's done a, a construction project knows that's a pretty uh, good timeline for a business, a building of that scale. Well, yeah. and, and that was the instruction from the State House Commission to Mr. Lincoln, to the contractors, that they wanted it completed in 28 months. And they did it. And they did it unanimously. They did it harmoniously. They did it making good decisions every step of the way. That's the thing we've been most impressed with in doing our research for the NHL and and just research to know that we are talking correctly about everything we talk about when it comes to the history of the Capitol. Every major decision that had to be made, they they made the right one. They didn't cut one corner. They didn't disagree. They One contractor, one governor, one architect, all the way through. And at the end, they're praising each other. 
Wonderful. And they're on budget. <laughs> I think probably one of the most recognizable features of the interior of the of the Capitol is the dome. You you walk in and you look up. It's really remarkable. The cover of AAA Southern Traveler for yes. January p- features our dome. It's just a beautiful image. Can y'all tell our listeners a little bit about that special uh, element of the Capitol? Well, I'll be happy to. Um, it, of course, it is. It's about 180 feet from the ground floor to the top of the dome, and uh, which is quite amazing, too. The painting that you see at the top of the dome inside is, uh, was done 30 years after the Capitol was built. So in 1933, they were able to hire uh, these painters because it was, of course, the Great Depression. People needed jobs. And, of course, the federal government came up with those programs, the CWA, the WPA in order to be able to hire people um, for these buildings, you know, such as those, such as our Capitol. And so they painted all up in there and other parts of the Capitol as well, including some original artwork, uh, basically artwork that was to represent part of Mississippi's history. Um, additionally, when you look in up into the dome, you see a lot of beautiful windows allowing that natural sunlight to come in. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a wonderful part of our Capitol. Of course, we mentioned, um, Sherita, you had mentioned that all the light bulbs that uh, very interesting at that time, 4,750 original electric fixtures in our capital, wow. and, uh, which is amazing. But the, the windows, allowing that natural sunlight to come in, that was something that originally the um, dome of the capital wasn't to be that large. And Bernard Green, thankfully, who chose that plan, suggested to Theodore Link to add more windows to let more natural light come in. He also said add more natural light on the fourth floor and third floor corridor. So they, uh, Theodore Link then came up with this wonderful skylight system. That's probably one of the most favorite parts of the Capitol, especially for the little kids, because um, you have the stained glass ceilings, but then there's a floor on the fourth floor that has um, glass cylinders within it. And so the children love to look through those glass cylinders. That's where the sunlight travels through down to the third floor. And so if they remember anything, I mean, I think we see um, visitors later on who said, you know, the last time I was here... that. I was in fourth grade, and they may be about 40 years old. Mm-hmm. So, you know, do they still have those glass bottles? <laughs> yeah. And, of course, they do. And so that was one of the most memorable parts. But, again, um, very at that time, they didn't think of it. Oh, we've got to think about how we need to incorporate the green aspect. That was just part of it, using that natural light and, of course, the new invention of light bulbs. Well, can you uh, speak uh, a little bit to the the tours that happen now? You mentioned the kids. Uh, I know some of the tours are guided, some are self-guided. I think it it is also the home of the legislative session, and I've gone a couple times, and, I mean, it's uh, that room is grand, and it can be very intense. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, sometimes you guys have spectators. So can you talk about uh, the tours and how people can schedule a tour at the Capitol? Certainly. I'd be happy with that. Yes, this time of year is probably the time we get the most tours scheduled, these large groups wanting to come, whether it be school, church, various organizations, and they come, they schedule with us. We may have a group of 10, we may have a group of 100, uh, and we have enough tour guides during the session, thankfully, uh, thanks to the Capitol for having some extra tour guides for us, and we are able to accommodate them. Now, the tour, you have a couple things going on. You have, of course, just the whole experience of the session. They walk in the building, and as you said, it's quite uh, amazing. You have all that noise going on, but you know, it's just the activity, the atmosphere. That's something in itself that's uh, amazing to be a part of. And then, of course, going up into the, the uh, chambers, to the galleries of the chambers where they can watch their legislators in action. And, of course, the legislators are really wanting to see their constituents as well. So if their time allows and they want to come and see their constituents for a while and maybe have a photograph. So that's all part of the tour as well, of course, going through the building as much as we can and maneuvering through the the crowds of people Mm -hmm. as we go through. Now, that happens during the large group tour during the session. When it's not the session, oh my, the building's really quiet at that time, Mm -hmm. but you really get to see all the architectural features. We still go into the chambers, but we get to go on the floors of the chambers. So that's really an amazing thing as well to get to do that. And they can take pictures in there at that time. So each time um, of the year, you have the, the special 
part of your tour, whether it be more focused on the legislature or more focused on the building itself. But you do get to see the building itself in both, of course. Excellent. Well, we are very appreciative of both of you coming in today. And it's just wonderful to know our history. I mean, I've been in the Capitol many times, and until I did that piece, I didn't know that the history uh, of it was so rich. And that was just such a wonderful story you told about the plans and the anonymity with it, you know, because it, it's just an awesome story. So hopefully our listeners are, are, are more uh, enriched, uh, you know, academically. Yes, you have some closing thoughts. Um, just one thing is, Kathy, and you were talking about the light bulbs that um, – we are fortunate to have several copies of the original program for the day of the dedication. 20,000 people came. It rained, but 20,000 people came from all over the state. Now, what year was that? 1903. Okay. Oh June goodness. of 1903. They had special trains running into Jackson that day to bring people in. On the program at 8 p.m. that night, it says illumination of the building. Hmm. People were coming from areas where there was no electricity, and they were seeing that capital lit up. And then on June, um, that was June 3rd of uh, 1903, September 3rd, they did a full elimination of the building. The clarion ledger covered it. And to me, it would be equivalent to going to a fireworks show. I, I just mm. I, I just would have loved to have stepped back in time and seen the awe on the people's faces as they're seeing that magnificent building lit up. Because we still see it today, Kathy and I do. Yeah. Yes. When, when she, when she uh, takes care of all these wonderful people that we have visiting. That's the first thing, one of the first things they notice. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Oh, that's wonderful. I have a new appreciation for the Capitol. I don't know about uh, everybody else. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Brenda and thank Kathy, you. for coming in. We really appreciate it. Thank uh, you. We, we need to take a quick break, and when we get back, we'll find out about the Delta Traveling Bicentennial exhibit. We'll stay in the bicentennial vein. If you have any comments or questions, you want to let us know about any local events going on in your area this weekend, call us at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464 or email next stop at mpbonline.org. We'll be back in just a moment. Support for MPB comes from Ridgeland, Mississippi Fine Arts Festival, April 1st and 2nd at the Renaissance at Colony Park with fine art and live entertainment. Featuring the Sante South Wine Festival and Oboe Tandem Cycling Rally. Details at ridgelandartsfest.com. Atlanta business owners offer mixed reviews of President Donald Trump's first few days in office. I think, you know, he's a radical reformer. I think we need major change. I'm worried about his orders and ideas and things that he's implementing, his attitude. I'm Audie Cornish. Expectations of the new president from a key economic hub of the South. Later on All Things Considered from NPR News. Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio. MPB's at issue has the 2017 legislative session covered from all angles. You'll hear each week from Mississippi's most influential elected leaders at the state capitol. MPB political analysts Republican Austin Barber and Democrat Brandon Jones provide insight on the critical issues facing the state and how these issues impact you. Join host Wilson Stribling for Mississippi's only statewide television news program, At Issue, Fridays at 7.30 p.m. on MPB-TV. You're listening to Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. To call the show, dial 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or send us an email to nextstop at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio. Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sherita Brent, joined in studio by Mary Margaret Miller of Visit Mississippi. And uh, I was just captivated by that last interview about the uh, the Capitol building. I just, I didn't know that the history was, was that deep and that interesting. Well, the fourth floor of the Capitol is my favorite spot in the entire building. That floor that she mentioned, that, you know, uh, glass floor mm-hmm. is so fascinating. So when you go, like, venture all the way up the steps, I mean, you know, take your time because you'll be out of <laughs> breath. But I did not realize that that, that light traveled down to the third floor. I'd right. never made that connection. That is so exciting. Yeah, it really is. And so uh, we'll stay in the vein of the, the bicentennial. This is Mississippi's bicentennial year. And uh, we're going to jump to the phones. Cheryl Thornhill is on the line and she's going to tell us a little bit about a traveling bicentennial exhibit that's going to be coming up pretty soon. Good morning, Cheryl. Thank you for joining us. 
Oh, good morning to you. So nice to, to be on the program, Charita. I appreciate your uh, allowing me to, to participate this morning. Absolutely. So uh, first of all, tell us a little bit about the Museum of the Mississippi Delta. Well, the Museum of the Mississippi Delta was founded in 1969 by a group of actually local farmers. And over the years, we've been able to expand our collections to include Native American, Civil War. And we also have a very strong um, uh, regional art collection. Uh, we also have an area dedicated to Greenwood LaFleur, for whom the city and, and uh, county are named. And uh, we've just done a... About a year and a half ago, we completed a $450,000 renovation with help from the Mississippi Arts Commission to renovate uh, some of our galleries. So we've got sort of a new and fresher look to us uh, than we did some years ago. Nice. That's right. And Cheryl, you also sort of have a new name. A lot of our listeners might remember you guys as Cottonlandia, but you've been the Museum of the Mississippi Delta, which is really per- tells your story a little more accurately. Exactly, Mary Margaret. It, uh, people around here, you know, still refer to us as Cottonlandia, and that's just fine. But it really, the Museum of the Mississippi Delta fits, I think, better our collections and our mission at this point in time. So uh, tell us a little bit about this exhibit. Uh, I don't think it has started just yet, right? It's a, it's a traveling exhibit. So tell us where exactly is it going to be traveling? Well, the um, Mississippi Department of Archives and History, um, in celebration of Mississippi's bicentennial, are traveling uh, two very, very important artifacts from their collection. Uh, One is the original 1817 Constitution, because as you know, we're celebrating uh, Mississippi's bicentennial this year. And they're also traveling a very rare 20-star flag, United States flag, to, to make sure the listeners understand. You know, Mississippi was the 20th state. Um, added to the Union in, on December 10th, 1817. So this 20-star flag represents then Mississippi being the 20th state. So the Mississippi Department of Archives and History decided that they would select 10 venues throughout the state of Mississippi. And we are very, very fortunate here in Greenwood to be one of those 10 venues, and actually the only venue um, in the Mississippi Delta. I believe it started... Um, I believe it started in Pascagoula, but it has been to Natchez, and um, I think this weekend it's going to be in Columbia. And then next week on February 8th and 9th, that's next Wednesday and Thursday, uh, the U.S. the flag and the Constitution will be here at the Museum in the Mississippi Delta. Uh, we'll open it up on uh, Wednesday, February the 8th at 10 a.m. Um, with some remarks by Greenwood Mayor uh, Carolyn uh, McAdams. Uh, we're fortunate that the city of Greenwood uh, sponsored this exhibit for us in, in terms of paying the fees. And the Greenwood Convention and Visitors Bureau was also very supportive in helping us do some advertising. And it will be open from 10 until 7 on February the 8th. And people may come in and view this flag and constitution at no charge. That is excellent. Now, the the 20-star flag, Cheryl, is, is quite large. I mean, you've got to have a real space for this uh, this exhibit. You do, and it really is. It's, 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 I think it's going to be very impressive when people see this because it is about 11 and a half feet long and 6 feet tall. So it's in, a, it's, in its own case, and it's in its own on its, uh, uh, rollers and stuff like that. You could take it into the building because it weighs about 300 pounds with the, with the uh, frame and everything. <laughs> so Whoa. <laughs> it's quite impressive, and, um, you know, and it, it's, it's very imposing. I think people will really uh, be able to... Um, see it very close up, you know, it's right there in front of you. And and the thing about it is, I think, uh, there's nothing like seeing the real thing. You know, people can see replicas or duplicates or copies and so forth of, of, of historical artifacts. But there's nothing like seeing the actual uh, document or the actual flag. And you have to think about it, this flag is 200 years old almost. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was found, I'm, I'm told, in a uh, an antique store, um, I think near Boston, maybe around 2001. And then it was brought to Mississippi uh, and restored. Um, and I, I was showing a photograph of it the other day to some folks at my Rotary Club, and I know they started looking at me because it has a lot of, you know, it has holes in it. It is not perfect, right? But I said, well, I think it looks pretty good. How would you look if you were 200 years old? <laughs> right. It, 
It certainly has a, a worn feel, but um, but but has that sort of special nature, like maybe looking at, you know, your great grandmother's wedding gown or a, an old uh, lace tablecloth. I mean, you can really see the threads and see just how beautifully crafted the, the flag is. Now, Cheryl, um, I know you probably have a lot of other events coming up at the museum. Tell our listeners maybe what's uh, uh, coming up in the spring and, and where they can go to find out more about Museum of the Mississippi Delta. Well, you can always go to um, com, which our, is our web page, and then we also have a Facebook page. Um, and uh, on March the 9th, we're going to be opening a, a new exhibition by um, a photographer whose name is Kathleen Robbins. She does large format uh, photography. She's originally from, uh, uh, she grew up and lived in the Mississippi Delta. Uh, she lives away uh, from the Delta now, but she came back a, several years ago and lived on her old, her family farm and took photographs, and they're very, very interesting. It really gives you a good piece of, a, sort of a slice of life of the Mississippi Delta in terms of the cotton farming and so forth. So that's going to open on, on March the 9th, and it'll be up through uh, m- the middle of June. And we're also working on an exhibition that will be opening toward the end of the summer. Um, we'll be having an upgrade to the museum's, um, what we refer to as the Mount Mason Room, which is dedicated to Greenwood LaFleur. We're fortunate to be a recipient of a grant from the Mississippi Delta National Heritage Area uh, as part of our uh, contribution to the Bicentennial to upgrade the, the Greenwood LaFleur Room and give visitors a lot more information about Greenwood LaFleur and how he came to be chief of the Choctaw Indians and his whole story and his family's story. So we're real excited about that. Excellent. Well, tell us uh, where, what's the name of the website where people can go to see the schedule and keep up with you? Museum of the Mississippi Delta, all spelled out, dot com. And we just would hope for people to come out next week. It's going to be February 8th and 9th to see the flag and constitution. And again, on Wednesday, it's from uh, 10 until 7 and on Thursday from 9 until 5 and I also wanted to mention that if anybody wanted to come around lunchtime say around 12:15, they can bring a brown bag and the the um, two people from the Mississippi Department of Archives and History will be given a little program at lunch and so again this is all free and open to the public. Awesome, and you don't have to worry about anybody walking away with a 300-pound flag. So. <laughs> <laughs> well Cheryl, thank you so much for being on. We appreciate it. Oh, I appreciate it so much. Thank you both. All right. Uh, We need to take a quick break. When we get back, we'll learn about Stand Up Mississippi Freedom Summer Exhibit, which is going to be on display at the Orrin Dunn City Museum. Still to come, Raisin in the Sun is showing at the Biloxi Little Theater. And Terrence Wells is going to tell us about his art show, The Things I've Been Hiding. You can give us a call. Let us know about any local events going on in your area. The number is 877-MPB-RING, 877-672-7464. This is Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. Brother, 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 there's far too many of you dying. You know we've got to find a way to bring some loving here today. Support for MPB comes from Ridgeland, Mississippi Fine Arts Festival, April 1st and 2nd at the Renaissance at Colony Park. With fine art and live entertainment. Featuring the Sante South Wine Festival and Oboe Tandem Cycling Rally. Details at RidgelandArtsFest.com. This is Jim Dees, host of Thacker Mountain Radio, inviting you to join us every Saturday night at 7 p.m., where we'll feature the best in literature and music. We're inviting you to reach out and put your hands on the radio Saturdays at 7 p.m. Thacker Mountain Radio on MPB Think Radio. Aaron, who's called in from Arkansas. Mary in Ocean Springs. Marlou is on the line in Jackson. Rachel is in Clarksdale. At MPB Think Radio, we are everywhere you want to go. Sardis. Henleyville. Greenwood. Jackson. Oxford. Ocean Springs. Meridian. Hattiesburg. And we're going to Memphis. So go anywhere you want. We'll be right there with you. MPB Think Radio, where Mississippi is our mission. to Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. To call the show, dial 1-877-MPB-RING. 
That's 877-672-7464. Or email nextstop at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio. to Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sharita Brent in studio with Mary Margaret Miller of Visit Mississippi. And today we've been talking about lots of awesome things, uh, some exhibits that are happening around the state. In just a moment, we'll be joined by Ray Mathis, who's going to talk with us about Stand Up Mississippi Freedom Summer, the exhibit that's going to be showing at the Orrin Dunn City Museum. And uh, also we'll learn about Raising the Sun that's uh, playing at the Biloxi Little Theater and also Terrence Wells, The Things I've been hiding his art show is coming up tomorrow as well uh so mayor margaret while we are waiting for ray to get on the line are there any events or anything that you're doing in the area uh this weekend that you know stand out to you well i feel like everyone's a little super bowl crazy right now oh, so yeah, that yeah it's it's one of those uh to me anticlimactic sorry sam but sam did inform me about all of our mississippi players on the patriots team uh so i'm not a patriots fan i'm just saying they have mississippians on the team. Yeah, I'm still not going for the Patriots. <laughs> not either. <laughs> um, but uh, I will say, you know, it, it, it's been great to learn more about the old, uh, the new capital, excuse me, um, this morning. Um, you know, I will the, the the building's great and the the architecture is incredible and the the hall of governors that where they hang the portraits of of every governor you know that we've had in Mississippi is really just a wonderful art experience but um you know as many of our listeners who like Felder's show know the the landscaping the the lawn the the garden if you will of mm-hmm. the Mississippi capital is so remarkable and it will soon be exploding with azalea blooms and uh, the Japanese magnolias are already showing off over there. So if you are interested in the flora fauna aspect of Mississippi, the state capital is a great place to go and uh, explore. Absolutely. And if you have any local events going on in your area this weekend that you'd like to let us know about, you can call us at 877-MPB-RING. Uh, whether it is Black History Month related or uh, anything like that, call us at 877-672-7464. We love to hear what is going on in your part of town. The number is 877-MPB-RING. Uh, I wanted to mention uh, the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. Uh, tomorrow, they're having an event from 9 a.m. to 1230. It's called So You Think You Can Fish. <laughs> Uh, So this is a seminar, and they're going to be featuring information about fishing and boating in Mississippi. And I don't know about you, but this weekend it seems a little too cold to be fishing. But, you know, fish, uh, fishing aficionados, they probably don't care about the cold if you're, you know, trying to get something to eat for dinner. Sure, (laughs) yeah. I don't know enough about fishing to know if the fish mind when it's cold, you know. But I will say, in, in this sort of weather, it is a great time to get out and fish or hike or paddle because the bugs just aren't as bad as they are when the weather is warmer. This is true. Uh, eight seven seven MPB ring is the number we're uh, we're trying to kill a little time until we got uh, Ray Mathis on of the uh, Orrin Dunn City Museum to tell us about the Mississippi Freedom Summer exhibit. Uh, but we might have to uh, move on and talk about uh, a little something else. I think we do have a, a call on the line pretty pretty soon. Uh, but uh, sure. Mary Margaret, uh, Baptist Heart Day is something that's coming up tomorrow as well, and this cl- includes a heart risk assessment. Uh, blood pressure, height, and weight with BMI calculation, and EKG and total cholesterol and glucose test. Now, that is interesting. It seems very beneficial. Uh, I know there are different heart events happening uh, this 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 month, and uh, it's kind of important for folks to get this heart risk assessment because it's a part of the body that we ignore and we shouldn't. Absolutely. And, you know, just by listening to um, the, the women's medical show that comes on right after us, um, yeah, Southern Remedy for Women. Thank you, Southern Remedy for Women. Um, you know, heart matters really are uh, a, an important thing for women as well. I think sometimes you think about heart attacks with men, maybe primarily, but women really need to be aware. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're going to go ahead and transition now to the phones. Ray Mathis is on the line, and uh, we're going to talk about the Orrin Dunn City Museum Stand Up Mississippi Freedom Summer exhibit. Good morning, Ray. Thanks so much for joining us. Good morning. Uh, How are you doing? We are doing very well. Uh, excited to hear about this exhibit. Will you just talk a little bit about the significance of Freedom Summer for those uh, who have, may have forgotten or just may not know a lot about it in general? Well, um, this exhibit is a program that was developed by the Mississippi Development uh, 
Mississippi Department of Archives and History. And it's a free program, a free exhibit that can go to any cultural institution. And what this exhibit covers is the events that led up to Freedom Summer, which was an organized event to get people to vote, um, to work on, um, to get into the community, to educate the African-American community about their rights. And um, unfortunately, it took uh, the three murders in Neshoba County to lead up to that. So this is, this is a pictorial exhibit. Uh, it has 25 panels, and it um, just depicts the murders that happened, and then all the way up through um, how the volunteers would come from the north came down to Mississippi and actually worked in the communities to help uh, the African-American community. So, Ray, I would imagine this exhibit is probably mostly black and white photography. Is it all by one particular photographer? Now, that I do not know the answer to that. <laughs> I do not know the answer to that one, but it is all black and white, and um, it, there's a description on each panel about um, you know about the pictures and the events. Um, it, it's really neat how uh, the Department of Archives and History could put these pictures together and to help tell that story. Of, you know, I I'll, I always use the term a picture is worth a thousand words, um, and that is definitely the case with this exhibit. Well, uh, the Department of, Ar of Archives and History has multiple traveling exhibits. We just heard about the 20-star flag that's traveling the state uh, to celebrate the bicentennial. And um, and this Freedom Summer exhibit, Stand Up! Uh, exclamation point, is, is there at the Orrin Dunn City Museum in Tupelo, which is a really um, interesting uh, community museum there. Uh, tell folks a little bit about your space. It's a unique space. You know, our museum uh, covers the history of mainly Tupelo, uh, Lee County, and Northeast Mississippi. And I do joke around. I tell people it, there more happened in Tupelo than Elvis. And um, we, the museum, we work to preserve those items that help tell the story. We put them on exhibit. So uh, the Orenden Museum is a hodgepodge of just really, really interesting things. We have the main building, which was actually a, a birthing barn for a dairy. Um, we have a dog trot house, a blacksmith shop, um, a Frisco caboose. We ha it's just a smattering of all sorts of things. This is really cool. Yeah. We're that's great. You're located in Ballard Park. A lot of um, great playgrounds, picnic areas, walking trails there for folks to enjoy. And if you want to learn more about the Orendon City Museum, you can go to TupeloMS.gov and find a great link there. Absolutely. Uh, Ray, we really appreciate you uh, joining us. And uh, once again, how long is the Freedom Summer exhibit going to be up? Uh, the Freedom Summer exhibit will go through the end of February through the 28th. But then we also have another um, traveling exhibit for next month, which is on um, inspirational women of Mississippi who help mm. shape the state and the nation. Yeah, I think March is Women's History Month, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much for, for being on, Ray. We really appreciate it. I really appreciate y'all asking me. All right. Uh, Mayor Margaret, is this a? Have you been to this museum before? No, I have not, and I'm, I'm, I'm really shocked. <laughs> I, well, I'm so interested. I, I did some research this morning and said all the time I've spent in Tupelo, and I haven't been to the Orendon City Museum. Uh, but it, the the website says they are also the host of the Duty Burger Festival and the Dog Trot Rockabilly Festival. Two things that sound like a lot of fun to me. Yeah, really. Uh, okay, we have a caller on the line. Homer is in Brookhaven. Wants to tell us about an event. Good morning, Homer. What do you have for us? Well, we have the uh, Brookhaven 54th Annual Camellia Show, uh, where people will bring in uh, camellia blooms from all over the Gulf Coast. They'll be on display at the uh, Brookhaven Recreation Department here in Brookhaven on Highway 51 North. And it's a real opportunity for people to see 
lots and lots of blooms that people really appreciate in Mississippi. Now, do you maintain a garden yourself, Homer? I do. I have quite a few. I hope to even put a few in the show and uh, make sure that all my judges that are coming from out of state, they're coming from, you know, uh, Florida, Alabama, Louisiana, uh, bringing camellias with them. So we should have quite a few of them. Oh, that's wonderful. Now, um, for those interested in the camellia show or maybe even uh, bringing a camellia, do they, do you need to pre-register or can you just show up with your no, balloons? this is all a free event. Mm-hmm. And uh, we are actually going to have a vendor that's bringing camellia plants up. So if somebody's interested in it, the show itself is actually open to the public from 2 to 5 on uh, tomorrow, Saturday. And... Um, that's when, after they have finished judging all the camellias, that way they get a chance to see who the winners are of the show. But it's such a beautiful plant. It's one of the few that's blooming in the wintertime. And a chance to see so many of different blooms that you might not get the chance to see all together. Awesome. Well, Homer, thank that. you so much. We appreciate you calling. Thank you thank, so much. Thank you so much. All right. And uh, earlier, Mayor Margaret was talking about Biloxi and how wonderful it is. And uh, we're going to transition to Melissa Reinecke right now. She's an actress Hi. and a director. And she'll be talking with us about A Raisin and the Sun, uh, which is showing at the Biloxi Little Theater. Good morning, Melissa. Thank you so much for being on. Good morning. So you told me that this is your first time directing a play. Uh, how has the experience been so far? It's been an amazing experience. Of course, it's quite the crash course mm-hmm. in directing. Um, as we know, A Raisin in the Sun is is one of the major, major American theatrical works. It's considered to be among the inner circle of great American plays like Death of a Salesman or A Long Day's Journey into Night. And um, it, it's... It has taught me so much. Um, I, I absolutely love the play, and it's been an excellent experience. Yeah. So, what what kind of of, of research and focus has to go into um, you know transferring this this your knowledge of the play to how it translates on stage? You know, because it, it, I mean, this is a, a pretty big play. It's been considered a, a milestone in the American theater, a uh, pivotal play in the history of the American black theater. That's a, a quote by Newsweek. Uh, so just talk about your preparation for it and, and has it translated how you would have liked it to on stage? Well, many, many hours of reading <laughs> and, and, and notating the needs of the play. Of course, it's a play in three acts and um, it, it is set in the South Side Chicago apartment of the Younger family. Um, so researching um, the history of the time, interesting, the play itself actually says that it could be set any time after World War II. It doesn't specify a time frame, which I think is interesting because after hours of hours and hours of studying and preparing, I see that you could probably change just two or three lines in the play and you could set it in modern times and it would be absolutely relevant mm. um, to the time as one of the miraculous things about the writing um, but, you know, many hours of reading and research, um, historically, we decided to set the play in 1954 to coincide with actual historical events of um, housing disputes in Chicago, housing segregation, and based on the author's history herself, um, Lorraine Hansberry, um, actually, her family went all the way to Supreme Court with a case. Um, they were violently attacked when they moved into a white neighborhood, and they refused to move unless they were court-ordered to do so, and they took that fight all the way to the Supreme Court. So the author herself has some precedent um, involvement in, in in these issues for her family, and it's one of the things that makes the place so rich. Uh, that's right. And and now the the Biloxi Little Theater, speaking of rich, has a really rich history of, of community theater. Has this um, production been... Um, you know, have you done this before at Biloxi Little Theater? I believe they've done Raisin in the Sun, you know, maybe four or five years ago. Um, Biloxi Little Theater is actually celebrating 71 years as a community theater on oh, the wow. South Coast, which is amazing. Um, but, yeah, it, 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 it's, it's a work that we're very proud to bring uh, to the stage, of course. And we have a fantastic cast who brings real life and love to this story the the actor's commitment to being true to the story is 
is just one of the most inspiring things I've experienced in theater, I think. Well, tell us when all the uh, the, the uh, Raisin in the Sun is showing and how people can find more information about it. Um, we're going on tonight. So tonight, Friday night and Saturday night, we have performances that begin at 8 p.m. And we have a Sunday matinee that's February 5th that begins at 2 p.m. Um, you can get tickets by visiting www.4blt, that's the number 4, and the letters blt.org to reserve your tickets. They're $15 for adult or $12 for students in military. All right. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much. And uh, try to enjoy the show. I don't know. As a director, you're probably <laughs> all stressed out during the show. Is that true? Or do you kind of get to enjoy it? I, I, by nature, it's it should be a reflection on no one how anxious I am about everything. <laughs> about every detail. Fair um, enough. I, re- I really do enjoy it, though, no matter how many times I hear it and, and go through it, I, I smile and, and even cry. It, it's absolutely beautiful. I hope everyone sees it. Well, congratulations on uh, your director's debut and uh, good luck to you, Melissa. We appreciate you joining us today. Thank you so very much. All right. Uh, we need to take a really quick break. When we get back, Terrence Wells will join us to talk about his art show, The Things I've Been Hiding. We'll take a break and we'll be back in just a moment. This is Next Stop Mississippi. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Dr. Michelle Owens. I'm Dr. Allie Brown. Join us on Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio, where we talk about issues related to health from a woman's perspective. Listen to us on Southern Remedy for Women on Fridays on MPB from 11 to 12. You don't have to be a woman to call in. So we'd love to hear from you. It's the show for women and the people who love them. Listen to us this morning. We'll be taking your calls to answer all your health questions. It's Southern Remedy for Women. This morning at 11 on MPB Think Radio. Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sharita Brent, joined in studio by Mary Margaret Miller and also poet and photographer Terrence Wells and artist. And we're going to learn about his pop-up art exhibition, The Things I've Been Hiding. Terrence, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Good morning. Thank you for having me. So uh, is it true that you've been like on a 10-year hiatus uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, debuting your photography? It may actually have been a little longer than that. Uh have really you been working? I've been working consistently. I've never stopped uh, working. I've just stopped showing, you know, publicly. Ah, okay. So, so what kind of photography, uh, what what genre of photography are you? Uh, I don't really have a, a specific genre, if anything. I do. I love portrait photography. Uh, I love, uh, I'm more like, think of like Gordon Parks, think of stuff like that. Uh, mm-hmm. I, wedding photography, I've done that for a while, and but... Uh, Portrait photography, I think, is something that I really love doing because I like trying to tell people's story through, through photography. Okay. So this uh, pop-up exhibit that's coming up um, February 4th at Offbeat in Midtown Jackson, one of our favorite places. Yes. Uh, so it's great that you're uh, really kind of having this coming out party at Offbeat. It's called The Things I've Been Hiding. Is this portrait photography? Uh, this will have literally everything i've been doing like from oil paintings to photography to digital paintings oh this is just a mix trying to just show what i've been working on or what i've been doing these past few years and it won't even be everything but like i said it's kind of like a reintroduction so that when i have a my next show people will know oh okay this guy does this so i've actually been keeping a lot to myself so Mm. I, i really need to get out there so this is and dj minimum he allowed me to do that so i really appreciate him for that so and I appreciate you guys letting me come and talk about it. Well, well. in addition to some of the things you're going to have on display, you're also going to have some artists performing as well. So who's going to be performing That's at the right. exhibit? Uh, Stephen Brown, uh, Fifth Child, Amanda Furge, uh, a local poet, and uh, a friend of mine, Elle, who is also a poet. Uh, they'll be doing a few pieces at, at the show. I think that the child's going to do a few songs. And you're a poet as well. <laughs> I am, and I may get on the mic. I'm not 100% sure. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you know, it just depends on how 
you know stress, stressed out I am at the show. Yeah. So so as an artist, do you think that it is beneficial to take some time off and as you as this this uh, this title reflects, hide some things and then just come back and, and let people know everything you've been doing? I think as an artist, it's my responsibility to be showing people in the beginning. But I had so much doubt about my work for a very long time. And if it really, if it hadn't been for my wife, I probably wouldn't be doing this now. I would just keep, you know, creating stuff and keeping it to myself like I've been doing. But but she's been very encouraging. And uh, if it, like I said, if it wasn't for her, I probably wouldn't, this wouldn't have happened. So, wow. So. <laughs> well, talk about the decision to have this uh, exhibition at Offbeat and, and tell us what Offbeat is. Uh, Offbeat's a comic shop, a comic book shop where they sell everything from action figures to uh, records. Uh, re- yeah, records, like yeah. vinyl. Like One of the reasons I wanted to do it is because uh, I know, I've known Benham since college uh, and I know he supports local artists. And also uh, some of the some of the paintings that I have are from photos that I took at Offbeat and I wanted to kind of showcase there too. Sounds good. So uh, what should people uh, come with? Uh, just a, a positive mind and, and, and good vibes? What, what do they need? Do they need tickets to attend or what? Uh, no tickets, uh, no cover. Uh, just, just come and enjoy the show. Uh, look around, buy some art. Uh, talk to people, you know, get, you know, mingle. That's what I'm trying to do so I can you know, get, let's get, let, get out there and get to know people. Absolutely. Uh, so remind us once again when it is, where it is, and what time. Okay, so it'll be uh, this Saturday at Offbeat at 7 p.m. And... Uh, just please come and enjoy yourself. Like there'll be little little finger foods, uh, like you know, some cheese and fruit. And okay, now wine. I'm coming. I, I was on the fence, but now you mentioned <laughs> cheese and fruits, fruit. I'll be there. <laughs> little, little wine and some stuff for the kids too. You know, the oh, kids okay. can drink too. You know. Yeah. Now Mary Marcus will come. With me. <laughs> Why? Yeah, Sharita will eat. I will have her drink. And okay. Sam. <laughs> All right, Terrence. Thank you so much for being in today, and uh, congratulations. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited. I'm going to uh, stop through. Uh, so thank you for being on. We appreciate right. it. Thank you for having me. All right, Mayor Margaret, it's going to wrap us up uh, here at Next Stop, Mississippi. You have any big plans for the weekend? No plans, just to uh, enjoy some time at home and, uh, you know, that's about it. Just chill. All yeah, right. Exactly. Sam, thank you so much for producing the show and running our board today. And I think Java Chapman was our call screener. Uh, stay tuned, folks. Southern Remedy for Women is coming up next right here on MPB Think Radio.